Let us pray. O Lord, our God, we come to you this morning asking for your Holy Spirit to take over, to show us what you want us to know. There are ideas about what I think we should learn from this passage, but you alone know what each person needs this morning. And I pray most earnestly that the words of my mouth and the meditation of our hearts together will be acceptable to you, for you are our Lord and our Redeemer. Amen. To be in the pit, in today's parable, all three of the main players had their own version of a pit experience. And this is a very famous parable. It's familiar to most people, the prodigal son. Rembrandt painted it. Andre Nouwen, who was one of our favorite authors, exquisitely wrote about this to the point where you wonder, is there anything left to say? And this parable is known and loved because it allows us into the working of divine love. But a good parable is a new parable every time we encounter it. A traditional approach to the prodigal son is to ask the question, who are you in this story? Are you the loving father? Are you the responsible, obedient older son? Are you the son who journeyed to the far country seeking freedom and maybe even identity? Or, and this is the spiritual direction approach, are you all three? And that's our approach today. All three, not an equal measure because we are all so much different. But there is a part of us represented by each one. And all three of these characters have pit potential. These various aspects of our being have a dark side. And all three have also been kissed by grace. The loving father... This is the one with the God attributes, and some would even say this represents God. The one who loves us no matter what. But the loving father knew the pain of the pit because he was actually rejected by his youngest son, who ran away from the home, ran away from the culture, and it was a big deal back then, and it's still a big deal today. And he did what was considered shameful. He abandoned his roots and abandoned his responsibilities and his birthright. And the loving father knew what it was to be rejected by the ones he loved. Would this cause pain? This would actually drive us right into the pit. It speaks to that part of us that loves. And then watches someone or something we love careening toward being loss. When my brother, in the first part of his being an environmental scientist, spent nine months of the year in Brazil, every time I thought of him, I knew that he was in a dangerous place. The diseases alone were frightening. And he was also encountering people, shamanism, that were very scary. And every single time I thought of Dan something would happen in the pit of my gut, the pit. And then there was the younger son who cashed in his inheritance and ran to the far country looking for something. It was a need. It was a desperation. And the word that keeps coming back to me is that he was looking for some kind of freedom. And this is the one that personally speaks to me so much. 
because I remember as a young school teacher teaching in Rockford, Illinois, being snowed in with a real snow day <laughs> with a bunch of sixth graders, knowing that as soon as I could get away from this class, I would join the other young teachers at the local drinking establishment where we would just gather and sit out yet another snow day. And there was an actual point in time, and I can remember it as if it was yesterday, where something in my spirit said, enough. I do not want this life anymore. Enough. I am done with this. I got to get out of here. I got to get out of this life and there must be something else. And so a decision to move on was presented to go to California. And it took me 10 minutes to decide. And I came back 18 years later as a pastor. So I totally get the younger son. He's a huge part of me fleeing to avoid the pit and then landing in the pit until Jesus saved me. The younger son squandered his property. He spent everything, and a severe famine brought him to desperation. So he hired himself out, was sent to feed pigs, which was a deep disgrace for a Jewish man, and the pigs fared better than he did. And then he broke. I talk about brokenness a lot, but by this I am referring to the breaking point, those pivotal moments in life when we turn to God and say, I am done, I need you, take my life. I am convinced after 27 years of ministry that unwillingness to reach a breaking point or fear it is what keeps us in the pit. There is this notion that once we're on the path with Jesus, that we are, there are no more breaking points, that everything is sunny and rosy, or that the goal is for there to be no more breaking points. But if we have no time when we go to God and say, I cannot do this on my own strength, I need your help, I am stuck I am in despair, then we have to question the choices we make. Because once we have given our life to Christ, he intends to not only use us, but to challenge us our entire lives. There is no retirement from Christ. There is, of course, retirement, but not from Christ. My dad tells this story, and he's told it so many times, it really must have affected him. The first time he met Eustace Niega, when our friends from Kenya were staying at my house, I invited my parents to stay with them, thinking that there could be a connection there. And Dad had been a Presbyterian minister for 50 years and retired for quite a while. And I remember Eustace saying to him, well, what is it that you do for Jesus? And Dad says, well, I play golf. And then I go out to dinner. And then I play golf. And... Sometimes I travel, and Dad has told this story himself so many times that it really must have affected him. But you don't retire from Christ. So back to the younger son. The younger son knew desperation on a grand and sweeping scale. And the Bible says he came to his senses and began to be aware of what he had lost by running away. His basic needs were not met. 
His dignity was gone. He was in a dark place that was a living death. And I remember this old-time preacher, Charles Spurgeon, who was actually paraphrased to me when I went to a pastor because I was in my own pit. And, the old, and this is basically what he had to say. When you are at the bottom of the pit and you have no hope and no escape and the walls are closing in on you and there is despair everywhere, rejoice and be glad because now God can begin to work. The precious gift of lament Saying that things are bad at this moment keeps us from being negative people. And you'll either get that or you don't. But Christ, the great paradox person, if you decide to ignore the bad things in your life as they are happening, they will build up to such an extreme that once you face it, you will fall into the pit. The danger of avoiding the dark times to deny the pain in the world will hurl us headlong into a deep pit. To say that darkness does not exist robs us of great growth in the Holy Spirit. For when we are in the pit with God, those are the richest times in our faith journey. Those are the times when he meets us and in a subterranean kind of way helps us to work things out. We don't know it's happening. There aren't necessarily feelings attached to it. But something is happening in that moment that we would totally miss. If we didn't have the pit experience, to say the darkness does not exist robs us of great growth in the Holy Spirit. So the son, now broken and having come to himself, admitting, acknowledging, owning his sin, journeys home to receive what he deserves. But he does not receive what he deserves. He receives grace upon grace upon grace. And his father, filled with joy and compassion, runs to him, puts his arms around him, kissed him. And in the brokenness, the younger son says, Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. And the parable pulses around this statement. Father, I am no longer worthy to be called your son. There will always be one part of us that will insist that we are not worthy of Christ or of grace. And that small part of us is the catalyst for raw healing power. The Holy Spirit does convict. And it's one of his many functions is to state the truth which we cannot see on our own. The truth about ourselves is, it actually is, that we aren't worthy. And knowing that is a freeing and liberating act. Stating the truth about ourselves in our own time and culture, we're actually told to resist this and ignore this when the deepest part of our being knows the truth. Or in the words of scripture, he came to his senses. We need to acknowledge our sin in order to be free. And there's a clincher here. In order to do this, and this is where people really miss the point, you have to know that I have been given much and it needs to be redeemed. You have to know that I do have tremendous potential. It takes strength, and if you want to use the phrase self-esteem, to actually come clean and say that we are not worthy. It's not the opposite. It takes strength. 
the pit has its season, but we are not required to stay there. We were not created to live our lives in the pit. The father showered him with gifts, killed a fatted calf. Let us eat and celebrate this son of mine who was dead is now alive. He was lost and now he is found. And when this glorious news was shared with the older brother, he, the older brother, dove headlong into his own pit, a bottomless hole of self-righteousness. The part of us that says, I've lived my life trying to do the right thing. I have followed the rules. I have worked without recognition. I am the one who strayed, who stayed. I have loved obediently and lived obediently. And he gets to the party. And the party is for the one who squandered everything. And you know the subtext is, is it possible that you are rewarding the wrong person because I am worthy? He actually thought he was worthy. And the father said, son, you are always with me. What is mine is yours. And he goes, but you killed the fatted calf for him. He was surrounded by a pit where the walls were covered with self-justification. And believe me, we've all been there. I certainly understand the kind of despair that sets in when it seems like the wrong people are being honored. And we think it's the celebration of the unworthy, but the big news is we are all unworthy. The pit, when it's without God, is a tunnel vision, is perspective lost, is the big picture hope limited. The pit of self-absorption is the worst. And the elder brother could not appreciate what God was doing because his life had become tiny and myopic. He couldn't take the big news, which was his brother was lost. His brother was dead. And now he is found. And he is alive. And we know when we begin to emerge out of the pit, everything is new. Everything. And the world becomes big. And the world becomes open. And with God, all things are possible, and we know it. It's not a hope. It's not a dream. It's the actual truth. With God, all things are possible, and Easter is around the corner. Come to the table. Let us pray. Oh, Lord, this thing about unworthiness, if we could unravel this and own the fact in power and strength, you have created us to be your servants, but we have turned away. We are unworthy. Help us to be freed up. Help us to know and acknowledge that you are the way and the truth and the life. Let us pray together. O great and loving God, we enter into your presence this day with joy and with thanksgiving. And as we turn our attention to you and only you, we are filled with awe that you love us as you do. We are filled with praise because you are holy and just and righteous. We are filled with thanksgiving, for you are creator, 
and protector and giver of all good things. God, as we reach the halfway point of this Lenten season, we ask that you remind us that Easter is coming. That no matter how dark things may seem, resurrection is what we can look forward to and what you promise. God, give us the strength and the patience to wait. Give us the reassurance that resurrection is coming. For we come to you this morning as people walking in darkness, looking for the light. Open our eyes to the light of your presence in this place. Open our eyes to the light of your love for us. Open our eyes to the light that is Jesus Christ. And help us to understand what it means to walk in that light. Help us to understand how living in that light transforms us into the people you created us to be. And help us to be carriers of that light into the dark and dreary places in our world. And God, forgive us. Forgive us for those times that we do not walk in the light. In fact, God, there are many times, maybe even this past week, where we not only did not seek out your light, but we helped contribute to the darkness. Forgive us for not seeing Forgive us for not loving. Forgive us for hiding the light instead of placing it high in our lives so that all could see. And forgive us, God, for those sins that we silently confess to you now. We pray in the name of the one who is the light of the world, Jesus Christ. Amen. Through Christ, God has rescued us from the control of darkness and transferred us into the kingdom of light, into the kingdom of the Son He loves. He sets us free through the Son and forgives our sins. Know that you are forgiven and be at peace. Thanks be to God.